Nineveh repents, and then Jonah gets mad at the Lord. He, he is resentful uh, that the Lord told him to do something that was righteous. Uh, and lots of Christians will get resentful with the Lord. Uh, doing something that's righteous, you know, when the Lord says, well, don't say anything to them. Don't respond to them. And you don't, and you see them kind of get away with it, and you get resentful to the Lord. You know, that the Lord, you know, uh, th th they needed to know. I should have told them. You know, they, don't, they, they shouldn't have got away with that. But in the Lord's uh, great wisdom and, and justice, uh, that's his prerogative. Amen. Now, nobody gets away with anything ultimately, of course, but he may have chosen to uh, allow mercy to occur in that situation. Uh, and we have to be okay with that. Amen. We have to be okay, especially uh, in our hearts a lot of times. You know, we, we want the mercy of the Lord to be new every morning for us. But for other people, uh, we would like to have a say in that, right? Uh, and so if the Lord chooses to grant mercy to somebody else that we're dealing with, we're, we are often not okay with that. We would prefer great judgment and scorn and disaster and the earth opening up and swallowing a few people, right? We'd be okay with that. Uh, and there's a Lord, get them. You know, that's, that's really, you know, that's just not appropriate, amen? Uh, and it's a good place to be because if we can get to where, Lord, just whatever you want to do. Yeah, uh, you know, and I always tell, Lord, you deal with it however you want to. If you want to provide great mercy, Lord, I'm okay with that. In fact, usually I ask the Lord to, to supply mercy in that situation. And then however he deals with it, oftentimes, you know, it's Lord, whatever you want to do, Lord. I would prefer mercy, but, you know, mercy can be, can be extended or can be withheld at the sovereignty of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so, so let's get to a point where, you know, and, and all of that really is the, the point of you've you got to live as a Christian from the inside out. A lot of people live as a Christian only from the outside. They appear to be a Christian, but they're not really changing on the inside. You know, they smile, they shake hands, they kiss all the right babies. But, but when it comes to the, the realities of life, uh, you know, on the inside, they're just as full of resentment and anger and hurt feelings as the rest of the world. And you can live a life where those things aren't going on on the inside of you. There is no resentment. There is no anger. There's no bitterness, no, no wounded, you know, people, all oh, oh, the wound. I've got so many wounds and battle scars, you know. Uh, and they love to elevate those things. And if you're really healed, Jesus said he'd heal the brokenhearted. If you're really healed of those things in that sense, right, uh, then there are no battle wounds or scars, right? There, there's no old wounds, oh, you know, here we go again. There's never here we go again because there's never more than one. Uh, and so it's a really a great place to live. I have surely not arrived at that, but I have come a much further away than I had when I first got born again, uh, knowing how I used to be and how easily, you know, I could uh, go for days and weeks and, and months and hold a grudge and, and hold bitterness and unforgiveness against people and, and uh, uh, respond with my anger. And, and, um, uh, and nobody's ever happy about that. Nobody's ever happy living that way. Uh, but the oftentimes don't know that there is a, oftentimes the church itself doesn't even know there's another way to live. They see Jesus as, you know, well, that'd be nice, but nobody can actually live that way. Well, that's not true. He lives on the inside of me, and so I can't live exactly the way he lived if I choose to do it. Uh, and so, so we're thankful for that. Amen? Uh, and so um, we got prayer Friday night, right? So we got prayer Friday night, so we'll start with prayer right now, and we'll get into the Word. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for blessing us and increasing us. Father, we thank you for the, the blessing that you gave to us, Father, by overseeing the production of your Word, the safety of your Word, uh, the protection of your word, keeping it all of these centuries, Father, so that we have access to it as your church. 
because it gives us insight, wisdom, and revelation knowledge of your will and plan for our lives and for the, for the earth itself. And so we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of, of Philippians uh, chapter 3. We'll continue there today. So uh, Paul had um, uh, got down to these couple of verses here, and for some reason I was over in Colossians. Um, Paul had uh, talked about following other people, and he said it's a good thing to follow other people, right? We talked a lot about that. Uh, it's a good thing to follow other good people, amen? Some people will follow anybody, and some people are following people after their natural things, right? So if they're rich, they follow them. If they have a high position in, in the city, they'll follow them. If, if they have a good name, they'll follow. That's not, we don't follow that. We follow people of good doctrine. Uh, in fact, there was a, a, a man by the name of John Alexander Dowie who, who was uh, used mightily of the Lord in, in the area of, of uh, uh, healing. Uh, he, he was a great healing evangelist over the years, and he started out really well, like many people did. Uh, and, um, but over the years, he got just so messed up. Uh, he started th saying that he was Elijah. And he wore like a big Elijah hat, right? I don't know if there's like a store you go down to, like an Elijah hat store, and you know the big, you know, and the big robes, you know, and, and look like you know like a pope or something, and and, and um, just got really whacked out. Started a you know almost a cultish city, and, and um, you know it's a shame, right? And so people would say, well, you can follow Dowie's faith, you just can't follow his doctrine, because even even in his latter days, he could pray for people and they'd get healed. Uh, and, but uh, you couldn't follow his doctrine. You know, and a lot of a lot of those great men like that, you could follow their faith, but you couldn't follow their doctrine because um, uh, William Branham was a great prophet of the day as well back in the 50s. And um, uh, in fact, someone said that he was the greatest prophet of that time. Uh, and spectacular words of knowledge, he could tell you, you know, your your social security number backwards and uh, all kinds of things, and and just uh, uh, and it was for real, right? A lot of people that. Uh, uh, knew him uh, that were re well respected. Uh, Brother Hagen knew him, you know, and other people like that. Uh, uh, Gordon Lindsay knew him. Uh, was, he was the real deal. And yet he would get up and say things like, you know, all the woes of the world are caused by women uh, because of Eve, right? Because, uh, and of course, you know, he does have a point, but you know, it's not really, it's not really accurate doctrine, right? Because first of all, it wasn't Eve's fault that we were here. It's Adam's fault that we're in this situation. And uh, Eve was deceived in that circumstance. And so, so you had a lot of things like that where you had people who could be used mightily of the Lord in the supernatural gifts, but their doctrine was poor, amen? Uh, and so, you know, you could look at them and learn, okay, because it takes a certain amount of boldness and faith to be used of the Lord even in an area of spiritual gifts, uh, and, and so you got this weird conflict there. On the one hand, they can yield to the faith of God and be used of God in a supernatural way. But a, on the other hand, their doctrine is childish and, and just wrong. Uh, I mean, it's just really poor doctrine to say that women are the cause of everything because you can just read a few scriptures and, and know that that's not true. And so why wasn't he reading those scriptures? Why wasn't he meditating on the scriptures? Why wasn't he getting the revelation of those scriptures? Because it doesn't take a, a rocket science to scientists to figure those things out. And so why is that? Why, why do they, well, there's just some, something about the spirit of man, you know, that uh, these people that they, they love to yield to the Lord in faith because it takes faith to yield to the Lord. It takes faith to, to, be, to operate in the gifts of the spirit. So they had faith for that, but they didn't have faith to, to uh, get good doctrine 
And so they would lean to their own understanding in their area of doctrine. But when it came to the, move, the gifts of the Spirit, they would yield to the Spirit in those things. And so people, people have a hard time accepting that that can be possible, that on the one hand, the faith can be real, and they can really raise the dead and heal the sick. On the other hand, their doctrine could be just uh, something you can't follow. Uh, and so what the church often does, because we don't like to, to deal with gray areas, we just throw the whole baby out of the bathwater. Well, everything they do, it must be of, of the devil, because he said this one thing wrong. Well, that's, uh, you know, anybody is perfect? Yeah, I haven't met anybody's perfect. Uh, and so, so we have to find that balance in that, amen? You know, I prefer to, to follow people that, you know, there's not a lot of, lot of things that uh, um, you've got to deal with, right? Eat the hay and leave the sticks. But, you know, uh, there's been plenty of people I have followed like that over the years where, you know, I can accept a, a lot of things uh, that they do and say, but not everything. And then sometimes it gets to a point where the weight of what they say or do is so great that uh, these other areas that might be positive just it's not really worth the effort. And so, um, and you've got to find that balance from your own self uh, in what that is. And, and so, um, but Paul did say it's okay to follow folks, and we should follow folks. I, I think it's healthy to follow people, amen, follow their doctrine, follow their faith, amen. We're not, we're not worshiping people. We're not elevating them above their position uh, as a human being, but if the Lord has used them and they have learned, to find, to, to, uh, have learned some things about doctrine or about faith, add that to your life, amen. Um, and then he shifted gears there. We got the verse 17 and 18 where it says, Brethren, uh, be followers together of me and mark them which walked so as you have uh, us for an example. And in verse 18, he says, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And so he, uh, we, we talked a, a, uh, some about this last week about Paul's reaction to these people that have, in this case, he's talking about people that have left the Lord, right? Left uh, the Lord Jesus, not just backslid, but just backslid and just rejected Jesus. And we'll talk about what that means a little bit more here in just a minute. But the thing that I appreciate about these verses is Paul's act, reaction is to weep, not to gloat, not that, well, they're going to, you know, they, you know, they're going to get what's coming to them. And a lot of church has that reaction when people fall. Well, you know, uh, doesn't surprise me at all that they did that. Uh, and they have just the worst there's no, there's no mercy, there's no crying, there's no weeping for somebody else's failure. There's a gloating uh, for that. And Jesus said you should even love your enemies. And they're not my enemy, but the, he said that the enemies of the cross, you know, even, even if people I knew had done this, they wouldn't be my enemy, they'd be enemies of the cross, enemies of the Lord Jesus. So why would I gloat for their destruction? Because this is an eternal destiny that he's talking about. This is why he's weeping on their behalf, because he knows that there's no eternal uh, uh, destiny other than uh, the region of the damned or to be in hell for these people. Uh, and so we started down this path of, you know, we've got other things to talk about in that verse, but uh, we went over to 1 John chapter 5 and um, we started talking about the once saved, always saved doctrine, right? Which well, is not really a doctrine because that's, that phrase does not exist in the word of God. Uh, we get down to uh, uh, 1 John chapter 5 verse 16. It says, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life. So the Lord will, will forgive this person. If, if you see it, your brother, so if it's your brother, is that a Christian or not a Christian? It's a Christian, right? So you see your brother, right? So he's, this is written to the church. So when he says, see your brother, so it's written to the church, so it's your brother in Christ. So it's not just your natural brother, uh, because uh, 
you can't, you can't pray this prayer for someone who's not a Christian. If they're not a Christian, you know, uh, you can't, well, Lord, forgive that one sin because they're unqualified to receive that forgiveness uh, uh, in, in a sense as far as, I mean, you'd have to do every single one unless you knew every single one. But even if you could, even if, it doesn't help them in a sense because even if you could get forgiveness for them, they still have to be born again to get to heaven. Amen. Uh, so you can't, uh, in, in fact, he said, he said, uh, he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. So this is talking about a Christian that has committed a sin unto death. Now, a, an unbeliever cannot commit the, uh, the sin unto death. An unbeliever can commit what's called the unpardonable sin. Uh, and Jesus talked to the Pharisees about that, that if you keep on going, he said, you know, if you say something against me, I don't care, but if you say something against the Holy Spirit, you are, you are in danger. He, said, he didn't say you're guaranteed. He said you're in danger uh, of, uh, of eternal death. And so why did he say that? Well, if you reject the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts you that you need to be a Christian. Uh, and so even if I'm up here preaching, it's still the Holy Ghost convicting your, your heart that you need a Savior. And you can choose to accept it or reject that. Well, when you choose to reject it, you're rejecting the Holy Spirit. You're not rejecting Jesus per se. You're rejecting what he did but you're rejecting the Holy Spirit. And if you reject him and then leave this earth, then that's the last option you have, right? So you have rejected uh, the Holy Spirit's advancement, bringing revelation to you that you need a Savior. Uh, and so you leave this earth without having accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you will die and go to hell. Uh, and so, uh, so there's, there's only one sin that sends people to hell, which is not accepting Jesus. But you, you do that by re it's not that you don't just accept Jesus, it's you reject the Holy Spirit who tells you you need to accept Jesus, amen? Uh, and so, so for the world, uh, you know, you could, you could, in theory, ask the Lord to forgive them of a sin, of a, of a specific sin, but that still doesn't qualify them to get them to heaven because you could, you could lead a, a life without sin all of your life uh, and you still die and go to hell. You must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. So your spirit man has to be re reborn to qualify you to go to heaven. So when you receive Jesus, the first thing that happens is your spirit gets brand new. It gets reborn. That's what it means to be born again is your spirit is reborn. So you get a brand new spirit when you receive the Lord Jesus and you're on your way to heaven. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 4 that you're sealed by the Holy Ghost. So uh, before, before you got saved, before you accepted the Lord Jesus, uh, you have, uh, everybody has committed the unpardonable sin or they're in, they're in danger of eternal damnation if they don't repent of that sin, which is the next time the Holy Spirit comes to them and says, hey, would you accept Jesus as your Savior? Uh, if they continue to say no until their last breath, then that's it. You know, then, then if they leave this earth having not accepted the Lord Jesus, then, then there's nothing they can do about it. And there are some sinners who, you know, the, the Lord, uh, you know, and of course this is in his, in his counsel, just stories that I've heard about different situations, that there are situations where the Lord will even tell you, you know, you stop praying for that person. Because he, even the Lord, although he is, he is long-suffering, when you pray for the lost, you know, be, because you pray for the lost, the Lord has the opportunity to go to that person because you've asked him to and, and to witness to them to get saved either by a person or through preaching or just in their own heart. Uh, and so uh, the, the Holy Spirit will do that all of a person's life. But there can come a point in time when, when that is, I couldn't tell you because there's no point in time. But I, but I do know and have heard of plenty of stories. In fact, in the Old Covenant, 
Remember, he, the prophet said, uh, leave Ephraim alone. He has joined himself to his idols. Uh, and so there can come a point when, well, when is that point? I don't know. You want to roll the dice and find it? I don't want to roll the dice and find it, you know. Uh, but a lot of people do. You know, I'll, I'll accept him tomorrow. Really? Now, see, if you're not saved, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. If you're saved, you're guaranteed a long life. But if you're not saved, you know, you're on your own. Amen? And so uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, if I was an intelligent human being, I wouldn't roll the dice. So a, a, a non-Christian can, can commit the unpardonable sin, but, the only, but it only occurs at their last breath, right? It's not the unpardonable sin before that. Uh, because even, even when the Lord says, don't pray for somebody, leave Ephraim alone, I mean, they still, if they're breathing air, they could still, uh, you know, by their own knowledge of, 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 uh, of what they've heard in the past and the knowledge that God is real, they could accept the Lord Jesus, even without the prayers of other people. Uh, and so, I mean, as far as I know, nobody was praying for me when I got saved. I just wanted to get saved. Uh, and so, uh, because uh, as a spirit being, I long for the Lord. Every human being longs for the Lord. Even if they don't know what it looks like or what that means, they long for the Lord. So uh, the unpardonable sin can only be committed by a person who's not a Christian, and that only occurs at their last breath, because when they, when they breathe the last breath, having not accepted the Lord Jesus, they cannot be pardoned of that one sin, right? They cannot be pardoned of rejecting Jesus, because now uh, you're supposed to accept Jesus by faith. When you move into the spirit realm, you no longer need faith to know that God exists, uh, because you know you're in the spirit realm. You know God exists. Amen. And so, of course, uh, Hebrews 11.6 says uh, that without faith, it's impossible to, uh, to please God. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For, for uh, uh, Well, let's just read it there. We'll just, uh, we'll just read it because I think it would be helpful to, to see it there. Um, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a, re- he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So uh, we must... Uh, According to the scriptures, in fact, uh, well, you, we'll come back to First John chapter 5 here in just a minute. But in Hebrews eleven six, the key there, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. So believe that he is. So you have to have faith that he is. When you move into the spirit realm, you no longer have to have faith that he exists. You know that he exists. And so that's really the distinction there. So that's why a non-Christian will commit the unpardonable sin by not accepting Lord Jesus on their last breath. Uh, and so, uh, un- uh, unless the Lord tells us otherwise, unless the Lord tells us to leave Ephraim alone, we pray for people until they receive their last breath. Amen? After that, you know, there, there is old doctrine, and I, I don't know if they still do it or not, old doctrine in the, um, uh, in the Catholic Church where you could pray people out of that even after they die. Well, no, you can't, right? Because first of all, there's no such thing as purgatory, right? They, they believe in purgatory. That's kind of like, you know, where you go when you die, but it's not really hell. It's not really heaven. It's kind of, you know, you were kind of good, but not really good enough to get to heaven. Well, you, it's not good enough to get to heaven anyway. It don't, you only go to heaven by accepting Jesus. And so there is no praying for the dead after they're gone. Amen. As far as, well, Lord, you know, get them out of hell and then bring them into heaven. Uh, they have committed the unpardonable sin. It's unpardonable. It cannot be pardoned because uh, they're supposed to do it by faith. But as a, as a child of God, as a Christian, though, First uh, John chapter 5 said that there is a sin unto death. Uh, and, and he's clearly talking about spiritual death here. If we look at the, the whole uh, counsel of God, he's talking about spiritual death here. He said if a Christian commits a, a sin unto death, 
you cannot pray for that. Well, why can't you pray for that? Because uh, it can't be prayed for, and we'll, we'll find out why. Because it can't, it's, the, it's essentially the unpardonable sin for a Christian, right? But really, it's, it's, it's different from a technical standpoint. So we prefer to call it the sin of the death because that's what the Scripture calls it, the sin of the death, sin of the spiritual death. And so it's a Christian who has committed a sin that, that is now the sin of the death means that they don't get to go to heaven. Well, okay, then, then how does that happen, right? What's the, what's the scriptural basis for that? So this is where the whole, uh, the whole argument about, um, uh, you know, once saved, always saved. Uh, and, uh, and so let's turn over to, uh, to Hebrews chapter 6, and we'll look, at, we'll look at what the scripture says here, because it's best to read it from the Word of God to find out what the Word of God says and put it all together, amen? Because a lot of times people will get, they'll get a little snippet like, like the sin of the death, and they say, well, you know, uh, you've committed this sin, and, um, uh, and it's too late, right? Uh, and so, so you've got the, the one group of people who believe that no matter what you do, you're still going to heaven. And that's, that's probably more accurate. It's not really accurate, and I, I would never say that, uh, because uh, it almost implies that then you can just do whatever you want to, and you go to heaven. Well, that's not really true, you know, and we'll find out why that is. And, and, you know, on the other side of that, too, if that's really your goal, that I just want to do whatever I want to do, sin as much as I want to sin, I would have to question whether you're ever born again or not. Because to get born again, you must accept Jesus as your what? As your Lord, right? Confess him as your Lord, which means I choose to make him in charge of my life, Lord of my life, right? Chief in charge of my life, Savior of my life. And so if you say, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, but I'm never going to do what you want me to do, in the same breath, did, did you actually accept him as your Savior? I mean, you know, I mean, like getting married, right? You have your wedding vows, right? Uh, you know, uh, in sickness and health, which, of course, we don't use that in our, in our marriage, right? But some people, you know, will say the vows, right? It's, you know, no matter what happens, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be with you unless I don't want to. I mean, with, you, know, uh, uh, you know, you're supposed to commit to each other, right, forever. That's the, that's the general intent of marriage. I will, I will be with you forever. But if you got up there in the vows and, you know, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Uh, yes, but I'm planning on seeing other women too. Okay, well then why are you making a vow, right? I mean, What's the hope? What's, are you not really married if you, if you make a vow, but you say, but I'm not going to do the vow, right? I'm, well, then are you actually making a vow? You're not really making a vow if you say, yes, I, I promise to do all these things, but I'm also not going to do any of those things. Is that even a vow? I mean, it's, uh, anybody want to sign up for a deal like that, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to sign up for a deal like that. Uh, and so, uh, so I would have to question a Christian who, whose plan and goal is to just do whatever they want to, and never follow the will and plan of God at, in any, any area of their life. Uh, so let's see what the Word of God says. Uh, because the other group is, well, every time you commit a sin, you've lost your salvation. Yeah, I mean, that's really touchy, right? I mean, to me, that, that shows very little regard for the blood of Jesus. So here, uh, in this is Hebrews chapter 6. Let's read, um, uh, let's read in verse 4 here. It says, For... It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, 
seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Uh, and so, so if we kind of uh, rearrange these words so they're a little bit easier to understand, if you just say, for, uh, uh, to kind of take out the middle part here, just so we understand what it's saying, it is impossible for those who are once enlightened, and then come down to verse 6, for those who are once enlightened, if they shall fall away, so it's impossible for those that are once enlightened and they now fall away, for those folks, it's, it's impossible to renew them again unto repentance. And so, uh, in other words, they're not going to be forgiven for these things. So, uh, if, that's, if that's the case, then they've committed a sin, they've fallen away, right? So, so fallen away. So what does fallen away mean? We've got to understand what fallen away means, because whoever this group is that have fallen away, they cannot get repentance for that sin. So, so the question is, is that everybody? Is that every Christian that's ever sinned has fallen, in, uh, uh, has fallen away? And if that's the case, then any sin that any Christian ever commits is unpardonable. Now, the group of people that says if you sin, uh, you have to either get born again or, or, or uh, in some cases they say if you, if you ever sin as a Christian, you can't, you can't get forgiveness for that, which is odd because why is 1 John 1, 9 in the Word of God? Why, why does the Scripture not many times call the church to repent? Uh, if there's no need for the church to repent, I mean, if there, if there is a need for the church to repent, then the church has committed a sin. Didn't Paul multiple times say things like, don't steal anymore, don't, don't lie anymore? Well, are, are those not sins? Those are sins, right? He said, don't commit adultery like the world commits adultery. Didn't he tell the church not to commit adultery? Uh, if he told them to not commit those sins, well, then why would he tell them to not commit those sins? Because they're committing those sins. That's why he was telling them. So, so there, there's a group of people who believe that either, one, uh, if you sin... Uh, you must be born again. Uh, so if you die immediately, you go to hell. There are, there are a lot of people who say that if you commit any sin as a, as a Christian, you're never going to get saved again. You're never going to get to go to heaven. Uh, and well, then what's the point of forgiveness at all, right? And that same group of people, though, will tell you, they'll look at you right now, I said, they'll tell you, as a Christian, I have never sinned. Because the only way their doctrine makes any sense is if they never, ever sin. And so it's just messed up. I mean, it's like, because what they do is they get these weird doctrines and, and to justify that weird doctrine, they have to have more weird doctrine, right? So they justify the doctrine that if you sin, you, you lose your salvation. So therefore, I have never sinned. And so therefore, I'm fine, which is really odd because that's amazing, right? That you have never sinned. You've never had a bad day. You've never said anything unkind to your wife or, you know, held any resentment because your kid asked for the last bite of your cookie. I mean, you've never, not one time ever had to repent for, for saying something rude to somebody or, or doing something out of order. No, I just don't believe that. I mean, do you believe that? you believe you, people who really exist not committing any sins at all? I mean, if you live by yourself, you'd still commit a sin, amen? You can commit a sin in your heart. Nobody has to be around. And so, so Paul is telling us here that there are those that it's impossible to renew these people again. So who are these people? Well, uh, he, he gives us the... the uh, qualifications for these people. And we're going to balance this out here in a little bit in, in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, so who are these people? Now, these people that it's impossible to, to uh, renew them again of the repentance are the people that 1 John chapter 5 is talking about. These are Christians who, who were once enlightened, who have now fallen away. And they cannot be, they cannot be uh, restored in that sense. They will, they, they will have set their eternal destiny to be in hell. 
Uh, and so who are these people? Uh, he said, uh, first of all, they were enlightened, right? And, and so we can go through the whole list of here, here are the qualifications. They were enlightened and, and really he's talking about getting born again there uh, and have tasted of the heavenly gift. Uh, well, Jesus is the heavenly gift, right? Uh, and also you can look at uh, the Holy Spirit, but he also mentioned that Holy Spirit in, in the next verse, the next phrase there, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, if they got born again, they had the Holy Ghost there, but the Bible talks about two aspects of the Holy Spirit, which is being born again and being filled with the Spirit. And so really... Uh, uh, this covers both situations. So all those people who don't be, believe in being baptized with the Holy Spirit, not qualified for these verses, right? Because what you will find, we'll go through this, continue to go through this list here, what you'll find is it really takes a very mature Christian to do this sin. And it takes a mature Christian as I understand salvation. I understand what I have in the Lord Jesus. I understand what he's done for me, what the price of the blood of Jesus bought me. I understand these things. I still reject it. Okay, well, how many Christians actually qualify for that, right? Uh, and qualify for being born again, being filled with the Holy Spirit, tasted the good word of God. So they do, do they know the word? You know, very few Christians actually know the word, you know. Well, you know, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. You know, the Bible doesn't say that actually, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, the Bible says that cleanliness is next to godliness. You know, the Bible doesn't say that either, right? Uh, and so, because uh, I know a lot of people who are ungodly, right? Uh, and so, and still probably on their way to heaven. Uh, and so, well, you know, the Bible says that God won't put on you more than you can bear. Well, the Bible doesn't say that either, right? Uh, and so a lot of people say things about the Bible, but they're not actually biblical phrases, amen? Uh, and so, so this person knows the word of God, the good word of God, amen? Uh, and so how many people in it? So, so if you start at 100% and you start going down this list, you start, you know, how many people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak with other tongues in the church? Well, a fraction of them, right? How many people of those people who know the word of God well? Well, even a smaller fraction, right? Uh, and uh, have tasted the good word of God and have tasted the powers of the world to come. The word powers there is dunamis. So there's the supernatural miracle work and power of God. How many people are being used uh, in a mighty, powerful way, supernaturally by the spirit of God in the earth? In the church, right? Uh, well, now you've got even a smaller percentage, right? So by the time you, you start whittling it down, how many people are qualified to, to violate this particular scripture? Well, it's a small percentage. I don't know what the number is, but it's a lot smaller than, than 100%, right? Uh, is it 5%? I don't know, you know, but it's, it's a small number, amen? Because a lot of Christians will live their whole life as immature Christians. Sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent. Never really taste the word, good word of God, never really live the word of God, never really be used of God in, in a supernatural, spectacular way. And so... Uh, You've, you've really narrowed this, this list of candidates here of those who are even qualified. Because a lot of people say, um, well, I got mad and I sinned, and so therefore I lost my salvation. But when he said, for those that, that uh, if they shall fall away, um, and we'll look at here in just a minute uh, uh, about uh, some more things about the falling away, uh, this is a choice. Right? This is not an accident. People never lose their salvation by accident. And that's part of where people get the error is, see, they think that if I got mad and said something I shouldn't have said, which was sort of an accident, right? I mean, you didn't plan it out. It wasn't like, I'm going to get mad today and do these things. Uh, but again, it's the same. It goes back to the same thing as salvation. You don't, you don't obtain salvation by removing sin, right? If I can just get all the sins out of my life, I will, I will be saved. No, 
you obtain salvation by accepting Jesus. And in the same breath, you don't, you don't lose your salvation by committing a sin. You lose your salvation by rejecting Jesus. It's all, it always goes back to Jesus. What have you done in regards to Jesus? Amen. And, uh, but even that, uh, you have to understand what you're doing when you reject Jesus, right? When, you, when your three-year-old says, you know, uh, you're not my mommy anymore. Is that it? I mean, are, are they on the street tomorrow? Is, I mean, are they no longer your child? Are they really uh, have abandoned you and they really, you're going to allow them? No, you'd be like, shut up, go to your room. Uh, because they don't mean it, right? They don't, they don't know enough to make that decision. Now, they've said those words, right? Well, you've said those words. Well, they, but do you understand what those words entail? What it really means to give up your salvation? What it really means that you don't want to spend eternity with Jesus? Uh, how many people really understand that? You know, I talked to somebody the other day. They said, yeah, I can't wait till I die. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to raise hell with all those people who have gone before me. And it was kind of like, ha, ha. And I'm thinking, you don't have any concept of what you just said. Now, you know, not my job to correct everybody for them to say really stupid things. But that's what they you. I mean, you heard it. You were on, the, you, you, on speaker. You heard the same conversation I was in. And uh, we'll see, a person like that has no concept, right? Even if they're saved, you know, I don't know if they're saved or not. But he, even if they were saved and they said something dumb like that, would, would that cause them to lose their salvation? No, they hadn't. They don't, cause they, a lot of people think, you know, oh, heaven's the boring place and hell's the fun place. That's not, you know, you clearly have no understanding of like anything, right? Uh, I'm amazed you can even breathe air successfully every day. Uh, people say things like that, right? So this group of people here uh, uh, has very specific uh, attributes about them, right? Very specific things that qualifies them to be able to make this decision, to fall away, to choose to fall away. I choose to walk away from, from, from the salvation of Lord Jesus. I choose to wait, walk away from the Lord Jesus. Amen? And it says, and if, if you meet these qualifications and you do this, then you have committed the sin and the death. And, and John said, you can't pray for, you can't pray for that because he said it's impossible, right? So if it's impossible, well, well, I'm going to pray it. I'm going to pray it out anyway. No, you can't. It's, it's impossible. You know, there's some things that just once they're done, they're set, they, they can't be changed. Uh, and so let's let's turn over to because a lot of people will, will use Hebrews chapter 10 as well in some of these discussions. Uh, and so um, let, let's uh, turn here. Uh, let's look at uh, uh, verse 26. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, 26. Um, and so it says, uh, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful, fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour our adversaries. He that despises Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall... He be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he hath sacrificed an unholy thing and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. So a lot of times people will use verse 26 through 29, uh, specifically uh, verse 26, for if we sin willfully, uh, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Uh, and so they say, see, if you commit a sin, then, then that's it, right? Then, then there's no more sacrifice for that sin. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, there's so many problems with that doctrine because it doesn't fit in line with, with Hebrews chapter 6, which is just a few chapters before this. Uh, and this also implies, uh, first of all, uh, how many sins that are committed that were not willful? 
Are there any sins that were committed that are not willful? There's some trespasses, right? The Bible talks about trespasses and sins. And sins trespasses are things that, you know, you do and you don't have the light yet that, it, that, that well, that's wrong. You know, things can, people can do things wrong. They don't have the, the revelation that's wrong. And it's not really a sin, right? It's a trespass. You know, it's something that needs to be corrected. But, you know, uh, we, I mean, we can go spend a little more time on that if we need to. But, you know, when you're a baby Christian, do you know every sin that you shouldn't commit? I mean, do you know, do you, do, are you used to following the Spirit of God, the will of God in your life? Do you know the Word of God, everything that tells you what to do and what not to do? Well, no, I mean, you know, so how many baby Christians still cuss every day? Still, you know, uh, sleep around or, you know, uh, steal cookies or whatever, right? I mean, a lot of baby Christians do those things and, uh, and uh, you know, we, we help them along and say, well, you know, maybe you ought not do that, right? Uh, the one, one famous pastor said when he got saved, he hadn't been saved long in the in the in the church he was going to he eventually got to the ministry but at the time he was going to church the pastor some someone said hey this guy needs the devil cast out of him you know and 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 that why in the world the pastor would pick this baby christian to do this but you know he did he said hey you and you and you go back in the back room and catch the devil out of this guy okay fine they went in the back room and and the baby christian said you blankety blank blank devil you get out of this man right and so you know he cussed him right out of him right uh, well you know that's probably not the most appropriate way to do that but he's a baby Christian, so what are you going to do? You just kind of you just laugh and you go on, right? I mean, no big deal. Uh, and, and um, you know, you tell him, hey, you know, you, you don't need to use the devil to cast out the devil, right? Because that's what they accuse Jesus of doing to cast out the devil by Beelzebub. Uh, and so, so every sin that's ever committed has been done as a willful act. There's no sins that you can say, well, I didn't mean to do that, right? Because you really meant to do that. Well, that's not really a sin if it's an accident, right? If it's an accident, it's an accident, right? And we, you didn't say, you know, you didn't point the gun and pull the trigger. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's my point, though, is you weren't willing to kill them, but it's an accident. Well, that, that's not really a sin then, right? I mean, it's, uh, how could you be convicted of... Uh, you took a life either way, and I think you still got to pay for it in some Well, you naturally, you might pay for it, right? I mean, the, the government and the, and the law may say you've got to pay for that, but as far as a spiritual sin, you know, a spiritual sin is, is uh, I mean, you know, what if you're just uh, cleaning your gun and, and it fell on the ground? It's happened how many times, right? People cleaning their guns and it goes off, right? And they, they kill their kid or kill their spouse or something. And I mean, that's, you didn't even point it at them. It was just a complete accident, right? But you still kill them. And, but lots of people have gone to jail for that as, because it's, you know, it's still manslaughter. And they say, well, you know, you should have been more, you know, should have checked the chamber. And yeah, you should have. And it was a, it was an, a, you know, you harm somebody else, but is that a sin again? I mean, I don't know. I mean, if it was me, I'd probably still repent of it anyway, just in case. Uh, you know, I'm not the judge of the earth, and so I'm not going to adjudicate every every situation. Well, that's sin because the Bible doesn't cover that specific scenario, right? Uh, but if you you know if you steal, the Bible says don't steal, so clearly that's a sin, right? Uh, and so, uh, I mean, you know, we could go on all day long about things like that, right? I mean, there's a lot of things like that that I wonder about. Yeah. If, if, if you tell, not you, you wouldn't do it, but if somebody tells me something, yeah. it's an untruth, but I go on, I say, hey, did you hear so-and-so did this, did that, and I repeat that, am I a liar for repeating that? Well, if I am, then that's <laughs> Well, I know there's a lot of scenarios. I mean, you know, uh, the, 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 the key is, was it willful? Did you willfully mislead somebody, right? You didn't willfully mislead. That's a trespass, right? Uh, 
Uh, and so, uh, but if you come and say, you know, you're stupid and I don't, I don't like your hair. Well, that's a willful act, right? I mean, you shouldn't have done that. Well, I didn't mean to say that. Well, you totally meant to say that, right? People say things all the time. They say, well, I didn't mean to say that. You totally meant to say that. Nobody made you say it, so you totally meant to say that. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of times people say, I didn't mean to, and they always meant to, right? And so, uh, so in, those, in those cases, but the, the point in, in the scripture is that if, if someone sins willfully, there's no more sacrifice for sins. And so there's some people in the church say that if you ever commit a sin that's a willful act, you've lost your salvation. But Hebrews chapter 6 specifically goes into the, the situation of here's the qualifications of, of doing that where there is no uh, sacrifice, again, that's available to you. But if, if you come down, I mean, if you just read this thing here, read, read these, these scriptures here, it tells us the, the, uh, the, uh, the attitude that you have. He says, how much, in verse 29, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and accounted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. Well, if you just get mad at your spouse because and you, and, and, she burned the biscuits or something and you say, well, you know, I'm just tired of you burning the biscuits, you know, and, and you were unkind to her, well, did you, in that moment, did you really think, you know, I the blood of Jesus means nothing. I'm going to tell her how bad these biscuits really are. No, nobody does that, right? Nobody who commits a sin as a Christian says, you know, uh, the blood of Jesus means nothing. Because first of all, you'd have to understand what the blood of Jesus meant to be able to say that the blood of Jesus, you have to go back to Hebrews chapter 6, right? You have to understand what you're doing before it's, a, it's an issue, right? Uh, and so uh, did you really uh, count the blood of the covenant an unholy thing? Did you say that the, this, the, the blood of Jesus means nothing? Did you really say that because you got mad because the light turned red? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, again, people are trying to make it where it's just the smallest, smallest infraction, but at the same time, uh, it, it covers these scenarios here, and it says, you know, what's your attitude in this? You know, do you really count the blood? See, the person who has, in Hebrews chapter 6, fella, and 1 John chapter 5, fella, they understand the blood of Jesus, the cost of the blood of Jesus, the value of the blood of Jesus, and said, I choose to reject this blood of Jesus. I choose to count this blood as being the, what he said there, an unholy thing. Okay, well, then that person, he said, there is no repentance for that person. But who, who understands the blood of Jesus well enough to actually even make that statement? Not very many people, right? Uh, to really thoroughly understand the blood of Jesus. Uh, and so... So again, you know, people will use First uh, John chapter five. They use Hebrews chapter six. They use use uh, mostly they use Hebrews chapter ten because legalistic people like Hebrews chapter ten, willful sin. Well, the, the, so they read two words, sin sin willfully, right? They read those two words out of context without reading the entire context of that to understand what he's talking about, what he means by that. Uh, and again, the sin here. Uh, what what is the sin here? Uh, the sin is not the thing that you've done. The sin is that you've trodden underfoot the, the, the Son of God, that you've counted the blood of the covenant an, hung, an, an unholy thing, and you have done this despite under the Spirit of grace. That's the sin. The sin is not you got mad and you kicked the dog, you got mad and you cussed, you got mad because the light turned red. That, that, he's not talking about, that's not the sin he's talking about. The sin is these things, right, that you have done these, these specific uh, acts here. And that qualifies you then to, to, to be in the position where there is no longer a sacrifice. 
you cannot be born again again, right? You, uh, uh, born again is a once and done situation. You get born again, you get, uh, your spirit is sealed by the Holy Ghost, you spend the rest of your life trying to become as much like the Lord Jesus as you can, and you go to heaven. Uh, a lot of Christians will get born again, and they'll lead, lead generally carnal lives, right? Not very spiritual, not even very good people, but they'll still make it to heaven. Well, why is that? Because it's, it's all about Jesus. It's about the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made, that it was such a great sacrifice that it takes a, a monumental effort to overcome what he did. A lot of people think that it takes the smallest amount of effort to overcome what Jesus did. Well, that shows very little regard for what Jesus actually did. If he covered all the sins of the whole world, but your tiny one little sin is now going to override that blood, that, that, I mean, that's, we, we're all living on a thread, by a thread. And we're not living by a thread. Now, again, is your goal, anybody's goal in here to sin every day? Get away with everything? Live like a heathen every day, right? Worship, I mean, no, no Christian lives that way, right? Uh, and so, but a lot of Christians, they, they, they do get saved. They really did accept the Lord Jesus. It was, it was sincere. Uh, will they go to heaven? Well, yeah, and, and I think one good example, let, let's look at one, one good example, because people love to pick out sins, right? Well, if you commit this sin, that's really bad. But this sin, and usually if you could pull the curtains back a little bit, it's here's a list of sins I'm not doing. These are really bad. Here's the sins I'm doing. You know, they're not so bad, you know. Uh, that's usually, you know, and so they pick out these sins that they're not doing. That way they can point the finger at somebody else, right? Uh, and it's terrible. Uh, we should live by what the doctrine of the Word of God says, amen? Uh, and again, uh, the, the caveat to this is if you really desire to sin all that you want to every single day, I, I really doubt that you were ever saved. I really doubt that you ever accepted the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and if you just... If you, if you did really sincerely accept the Lord Jesus, but you're still leaving, leading a fairly carnal life and not very Christian-like, you're a baby Christian. You never grew up, and you're still in diapers. You know, there's a lot of uh, 60-year-old Christians that are going to go to heaven with a diaper need to be changed. I guarantee you. Amen? Uh, and so uh, I know all about that, right? Uh, I've got a 10-month-old grandson, and so I don't forsake him because he needs a diaper change. Like, that's it. One more, and it's over. You know, that, that statement never happens, right? Uh, and so, but here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 5, uh, see, I think this is a, a good story because it gives some insight about uh, what's going on here. And so it says here, uh, this is written to the church, right? So the uh, book of 1 Corinthians is written to the church. So it's a church that Paul started. And it says, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you uh, well, what's fornication? Well, it's a sexual sin, right? There's, uh, a, there's sexual sin uh, specifically uh, among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. So they're one-upping the sinners, right? When the church is, is advancing in sin more than the sinners, we've got a problem, right? Uh, you know, I don't know any Christian who's never not committed a sin, but... Um, He's saying right here, you know, you're, you're ad advancing even beyond the, uh, uh, the world, the sinners, the Gentiles. He, what, what, what's the specific sin here? The specific sin is that one should have his father's wife. So, in other words, uh, uh, this fellow here is now committing, he said, fornication. So he's, he, he's sleeping with his stepmother. That's just kind of, uh, um, but here we are. So this is the sin. He said it's commonly reported. So it's well known in the church, right? 
Everyone in church, oh yeah, there, there's John and John's stepmom right there, you know. Uh, well, where's John's dad? Well, he decided not to come to church anymore. Uh, and so that'd be a little awkward, right? Uh, and so, so now uh, uh, he has his father's wife. So we got a problem here, right? Uh, it's an open sin. Everybody knows it. Uh, uh, and, and he's, he's <laughs> it's just an amazing sin. He says, it's, it's more amazing than the Gentiles are doing. Uh, and he said, in verse 2, he said, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned. See, uh, and that gets into a lot of t- problems with the church sometimes when, you know, certain sins go on. You know, there's a lot of churches who elevate homosexuality, right? And, and uh, you know, yeah, everybody, want, we want all the homosexuals to come, and you're fine to say that we are. And so they elevate that, right? Uh, and, and, a lot, and a lot of churches, that's their thing, right? They'll find some sin, and it's usually something like that, usually some kind of fornication like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, multiple wives or whatever it is, and they'll, they'll be known for that. That's their thing. And, and so for whatever reason, they, they get puffed up about that. Oh, yeah, we're the, we're the, we're the church that does that. Uh, and he said, you should have mourned. You know, when you see your, when you see your uh, brother or sister in Christ sin, there should be mourning on your part. Right? I remember Paul wept, right? He was weeping about these fellows. Uh, and, uh, and, and we mourn in intercession for them. Right? We mourn, Lord, if they continue in their path, it's not going to work out well for them. And so he says, uh, you, you have been puffed up and, not, and, rather, uh, and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. So, you know, it's one thing about, uh, you know, everybody in here, we don't, it's, not, it's a Wednesday night, right? So all you super spiritual people here on Wednesday nights, I can guarantee you, every one of you probably got something you can repent of today, right? We're not going to ask for any names. We're not going to ask for any list of things, including me. Uh, there's probably something we can repent of today. Amen? So nobody is without sin. And so Paul's not talking about it. He said it's commonly reported, right? A well-known sin. So, you know, even as a pastor, uh, oftentimes the Lord will, will reveal to me about some things in your life, right? Uh, and uh, you know, I look at you, and there's just there's something will rise up. You know, now they don't look at me, right? Um, and, and so what I'll do is I'll go to my prayer closet, and 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 I probably I don't guess I've ever told Chris about anything I know related to that, and I'll just deal with it in prayer, on your behalf to help you, right? First John five sixteen, right? I could pray for those things. Well, you can pray for those things too, right? And if you, and if you'll not talk every time the Lord tells you something, He would probably tell you about more things about your brother or sister to help them. Amen. Uh, and so, but sometimes if people just don't want to repent, you know, sometimes you've got to have them move on, right? Because he said they should have been taken away from among you. Not shot and killed, just, hey, uh, you want to repent? Nope. Well, you just need to go somewhere else. I mean, you know, sometimes you've got to do that, right? And in all the t- years I've been a pastor, there's only one person who ever got close to that, right? And we've talked a little bit about that before. They were just, one of these people just, they would not stop. Uh, being a thorn in the side of the church and just and really trying to shear the sheep trying to always get a dollar out of your pocket uh, and uh, and I've told you know I've told people in a church before don't give that person any money and in fact I, I told that to one person and uh, I said I'm, I'm going out of town I said gonna, as soon as I get out of town they're gonna call you for some money I said don't give them any money I got out of town they called them asked them for money they gave them money and then here's what they said. They said, I gave money because the Holy Spirit told me to. That's right. So I'm the pastor of the church, and, and the Spirit of God showed this. Now, I told you what was going to happen before it happened, so it can't be just, 
you know, I'm making this up. The Spirit of God told me to tell you this is going to happen, and so don't do this, but you're wrong. The Holy Spirit told me that what he told you, he changed his mind, I guess. You know, I don't know how you, you know, I don't even understand that. But anyway, so their Holy Spirit was more spiritual than my Holy Spirit, I guess. Uh, a year later, they called me and said, yeah, yeah, you're right. I was wrong doing that. I, didn't really, I shouldn't have done that, you know. But see, uh, because that person, they were so manipulative, right? They, you know, they would say, you know, I'm sleeping in my car. You know, can I have some money for a hotel? Like, you've got 18 brothers and sisters in this town. Surely one of them can let you sleep on their floor. Well, I don't want to ask them, well, you know, that's not my problem. You know, I mean, just, uh, but they would manipulate you like that, right? And so you have to, it's not about being bitter or jaundiced. It's just be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, they say, hey, you know, I'm sleeping on, you know, I'm sleeping in a car. Sorry, you know, not, I mean, I had somebody just the other day. Hey, you know, uh, I need a hotel room, me and my son. Uh, well, what, you know, what about this? What about that? Uh, and and um, I said, well, you know, they wouldn't help me because I have, I have a, an adult, other, other adult person. Oh, you mean somebody who could work but doesn't want to work? And, and so you don't want to give me all the information, right? And I said, well, what about this? And they just hung up because <laughs> they didn't want me to actually give them some assistance to, you know, point them to a government agency. They just want me to give them some money. And, and you know, I'm just not required to do that. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, he said that they should be taken away from among you. So this is not every sin, right? Every time a Christian sins, I, I don't shoot them, right? I don't get them out of the church. I don't, because it's going to happen, right? In any church, I don't know that anybody's ever gone to a church for any length of time and not committed a sin that somebody knows about in the church, right? I mean, I just, maybe it's happened. I don't know. But uh, uh, more than likely, you get around people long enough, somebody's going to make a mistake and commit a sin. So that's he's not what I'm talking about. He's not, uh, a, an open uh, sin that you're, you're glorifying, right? You're puffed up about it. Hey, look what I'm doing. And the issue is then when you start doing that uh, and you glorify your sin among everybody else, you know, and so it's not just that you know about it. It's, hey, follow me, right? Now you're, now you're causing other people to sin, right? So, so that's the issue, right? If, uh, in fact, years ago, this fellow was... Uh, uh, he was, he was, I don't know if he was, he wasn't married at the time, but anyway, he was living with somebody and, and, um, uh, well, everybody in the church knew it. You know, I knew it. I didn't care. You know, I mean, I care, but you know, uh, the Lord didn't tell me to do anything about it. So I just leave it alone. So in that sense, I didn't care about it because, uh, it was wrong in that sense because, because he told me, uh, he said, well, I don't even love her. I just sleeping with her. So, I mean, that's terrible, right? He's just using her as a Christian. He's using her which is a terrible thing, right? And so, so, and so what I told him, I said, you need to come around the church more because, you know, I figured I could help him. And, uh, and, 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 you know, he was here for a long time. And, but then one day he said, hey, can I, can I be the person who cleans the church? Well, see, now we got a problem, right? Because now he wants to have a, a position in the, in the ministry. I know it's just cleaning the church, but it's still a position in ministry. And so, so, uh, I said, well, just come by the church. And so we talked, and I said, tell me your situation. He told me the situation. I said, well, what do you think about it? He said, sin. And so well, that's what he told me, right? Because well, I agree with him, but that's what he told me. And, I, and so I said, so what should I do about this? He said, well, you shouldn't let me do that. I said, okay. Well, I said, well, just keep on coming to church, you know, and we'll work it out. So, you know, we need to be able to help people in a church. Amen. That's the goal of the church is to help people become more spiritual. If if you can only be at church if you're perfect, well, then 
it's just going to be me talking to me, right? Because I'm the only perfect one I know, right? And of course, that's not even true uh, by a long shot. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, if we can't help people, I mean, how many scriptures, uh, Galatians 6, 1 says, if you see your brother in fault, uh, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one, right? So the, the goal of, of us as Christians is to restore people. Well, see, this person didn't want to be restored. That's the issue, right? He just doing, he wanted to be, I'm sinning, I'm glad I'm sinning, I want everybody to know I'm sinning, and okay, that's an issue, right? Well, that same person, after I told them all that, they called me that night crying and said I judged them, and in what way did I judge you? I said, what did, you, what did you say? What did I ask you? Well, you just judged me. I, I, I told you to keep coming to church. How was that a judgment? How was that, you know, but they just got their feelings hurt because, and, you know, to get the, the full story, the full story was he was trying to use that position to, to, to say that I approve of his sin. He was trying to use me as a pastor, and, that, and so that's why the Lord shows us things because, his goal to, to be in the person who cleans the church was to get an official position so that he could say, the pastor has put his stamp of approval on my sin. Well, okay, I can't do that, right? I, I can't say, yes, I approve of your sin, uh, and, and I want everybody to know that I approve of your sin. Uh, and so, so, uh, so here we are, this fellow's sleeping with his, with his stepmom, right? Uh, you know, uh, we need more information, like, was she old? I mean, how old was she, right? I mean, What'd she look like? I mean, you know, you still want to know, right? Well, how'd you get here? How'd you get from here to there, right? How'd you go? You know, when I, want to, I want to sleep with my stepmother. I mean, who, who gets there? Who goes there, right? But sin is always weird anyway, right? So, um, so, uh, so he said this person, right, not because they sinned, but because they sinned and they were puffed up and everybody knew about it and they were glad they were doing it, right? That's the issue. It's not the sin. It's the, it's the attitude and the sin, right? Uh, everybody needs to be like me, bragging about it, whatever. He's puffed up. Uh, and, uh, and nobody wants to deal with it. Well, you know, where's the pastor, right? I mean, the, the pastor needs to deal with things. But, you know, I, look, uh, I had somebody come and tell me about one of the person in the church. Showed me a bunch of text messages. This person was doing terrible things, right? I mean, just stuff that just, I mean, makes this look kind of tame, right, in a sense. And uh, well, you need to deal with it. How was my when people demand that I do something, right? Why don't you do something about it? You know, the Bible says you can restore such a one, right? But I don't—I mean, I don't care to deal with it. But uh, don't don't demand that I do something. Amen. I mean, if you find it out, you can, you can tell me fine. But uh, uh, because when they think that they demand I do something, they they demand I shoot this person, right? Get them out of the church. But I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? That's, all, that's always my first go-to in any situation in the church. I always go to Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? Because it's his church, not my church, you know. And in that particular case, he said, just let it ride. In other words, just, just leave it alone. It'll deal with itself. And they did. It took care of itself. And I didn't have to do anything about it. They didn't have to be ashamed publicly because I think that person wanted me to shame them publicly. Uh, you know, the Lord doesn't desire to shame anybody publicly. Amen. And that's not the first go-to. Uh, remember what Jesus said, if you, if you have a disagreement with your brother, go to your brother first. Right, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, and then, you know, then go with witnesses and then take them to the whole church. But, you, but the Lord desires to deal with everything pri- privately if he can because he cares about us, amen? And the, the, so this person was not private. This was public. Everybody knew about it. And so, so what did he say? What did he say to do? He said, For I verily, in verse 3, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that had done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, where 
when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh. So if, if Satan destroys your flesh, what's your state at that point in time? Are you alive or dead? If he destroys your flesh, you're, you're dead, right? You're, but in what way are you dead? You're dead physically, right? Because if, you, if your flesh is destroyed, then you, you are dead physically. So the question for us in this case here, and I haven't finished reading the verse there, I know, what's the spiritual status of this person? So they, they were alive physically and alive spiritually because they're in the church, right? And that's the, that's the assumption here. And now uh, Paul said, I'm going to hand them over to Satan for the structure of the flesh so they, they physically die. Where do they go? They go to heaven, they go to hell. That's a $64 question, right? Well, what's the rest of the verse say? He said, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be what? Saved in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, or the Lord Jesus. Uh, he said, your glorying is not good. Well, that's kind of the understatement of the world, right? Who glories? Hey, look at us. We got the best sinners in town, you know, uh, best, best sinning Christians in town. That's glorying, right? Look at us, you know. What kind of sin you got here, church? Oh, we can double up that. You, know, you want to hear mine? Mine's even better than that. Uh, I mean, that's, that's why, why would you glory in that, right? But apparently they were, right? I mean, isn't this weird? People are doing this, but it's still here. So, so here's the situation. This man was a Christian. He's sleeping with his, with his stepmother. Paul said, you should have judged it, and you should, right? You should look at that and say, well, that's wrong. That's, that's okay to judge that. If it's something that's obvious like this, you know, you're not judging their eternal destiny. Uh, and so... But what did Paul do? He said, uh, I have judged, and this is what we're going to do. Well, you've got to make the assumption that Paul was being led by the Spirit of God because I know some people use this verse and they judge everybody. Yeah, destruction of flesh, destruction of flesh for you, you, destruction of flesh, you, destruction of your left leg, but, but you over here, all of it, you know what I mean? So, you know, we're, we use this verse like, you know, uh, as retribution because I don't like what you're doing. Well, that's not my role, amen? My role is to, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because uh, uh, we are his people. You are not my people, right? You don't, you, you don't, uh, I didn't save you. I didn't die for you. I didn't shed any blood for you. You're the people of God, amen? And so I find out from heaven what he wants to do. So in this case, so why did Paul do this? Paul did this, why? Because he loved this man. Uh, in fact, uh, just real quick, I know we're, we're out of time, but we need to kind of finish this up so we don't, I mean, I can leave you hanging sometimes, but this would be leaving you just too much hanging right here, right? So... Uh, let's go over to 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians. Uh, and so, uh, let's see where we want to go. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so we come down here. Um, let's just start in verse 4. He says, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. So Paul wrote with anguish of heart, right? So when he wrote that letter, 1 Corinthians, it was an anguish of heart to him to write that. So he wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to destroy his flesh, right? People, when I hear most of the time, uh, in fact, every time I've heard people publicly say that phrase, they don't say it with anguish of heart. They say it with, with you know, indignation, righteous indignation, you know, destruction of you, hex on you. Uh, and so uh, there was no, there's no affliction and anguish of heart to them. 
uh, he said, uh, that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part. So, you know, even though uh, it, did, it did bother Paul to some extent, then I might not overcharge you. So, sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many. So now he, he's talking about, uh, when we read this, he's talking about the man in 1 Corinthians 5, that the, that the one that uh, sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was afflicted of many. So uh, apparently they did something about it finally in the church. Right? We don't know what the specifics of what they did, but uh, it was apparently uh, was afflicted upon this man some type of rebuke or punishment. The word punishment there means a rebuke. So they did finally rebuke this man sleeping with his stepmother. Uh, he says, so that contrary-wise, you ought rather to forgive him. So uh, they rebuked him, and apparently he repented. Uh, you know, we have to read between the lines a little bit, but, uh, but you should forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So they rebuked him, and apparently he repented, and now Paul said, now you need to comfort him. Well, I didn't comfort him, he sinned. Well, didn't he, didn't he repent? Now you need to forgive him, right? If he repents, you need to forgive him. But see, it's really hard for the church when somebody that commits a sin and then repents for the church to accept them again, you know? Now, it doesn't mean that you've got to put them back in the same position. It doesn't mean that you've got to restore everything they were before that. You know, if they, if they were the, the Sunday, school lead, Sunday school superintendent and sleeping with the secretary or something, okay, you know, we'll deal with that. And, uh, and, you know, there are some sins where, hey, it's just best if you move on. But, you know, a lot of sins you can just... Uh, the people can repent and recover from and, and, and restore, right? I mean, that's the whole purpose of the church, right? To restore such a one in spirit of meekness. He said, uh, wherefore, I beseech, beseech you that you would com- confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to him, I forgave it for your sakes. Forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan uh, would get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his, desi- of his devices. So, uh, uh, back in verse 4, for out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you. So when Paul was writing 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it, it, was, it, was such a, it was so grievous to him to have to deal with his sin and to know that he had to do this, person, uh, do this for this person here because uh, here's why he did that. He delivered this person to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, not his spirit, right, of his flesh. So he died physically. So if he died physically and he's saved, where's he going to go? He's going to go to heaven. So Paul's concern was if this man continues in this route, he could get to a point where he now, uh, the way uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 6 says, uh, where he falls away, right? So he's, he's keeping the man from committing the unpardonable sin or committing the sin of the death. He's short-circuiting his life so he doesn't get to a point where he commits a sin of the death and loses eternity. So this is an act of mercy. I know people will look at that. Well, that's not an act of mercy. It's totally an act of mercy because if the man dies physically before he gets to a point there he, where he could commit the sin of the death, see, he gets to go to heaven because that's what he said, that your spirit be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So out of an act of mercy, Paul said, look, if you're not going to re- uh, repent, then I'm going to pray that you, your natural life comes to an end so you should still make it to heaven. Now, that's a tough call, right? Who makes that call? Only the Holy Spirit makes that call, right? I don't make that call. The Holy Spirit makes a call. Uh, and so, 
So this was so this person there they committed a what Paul said a sin even the Gentiles aren't committing and yet he's on his way to heaven because that's what he said in verse in verse uh, five there right that the spirit might be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. So this man is a Christian. He's committing this sin, and he's on his way to heaven. And Paul said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that uh, uh, the Lord take his hand off you, which is what happens when you, when you, when you get uh, um, put into uh, the hands of Satan, right, for the structure of your flesh. Just the grace and mercy of God is taken off of you, and Satan just does whatever he wants to in your physical life. Uh, we're all under the grace and mercy of God today. Even if we don't know it, we are. Uh, and so if the Lord takes his hand of mercy and grace off your life right now, the devil will just come in immediately and take you out of this, out of this earth. The whole world, every sinner right now, has the grace and mercy of God upon their life to protect him, keep him alive long enough to accept the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, so, and so in this case here, this is not the sin of the death. It is a sin that would cause physical death, but not spiritual death. So the, the whole point in this is this is a pretty bad sin, right? I mean, as far as Paul said, this is a sin that's even, he measures it against the Gentiles, sins towards the Gentiles, and yet this man would go to heaven. So the problem in the church is we want to pick every sin in the world and say, that's going to send you to hell. And we love to pick specific sins, right? Usually it's like homosexuality or, you know, something like that. Well, that sin will get you go to hell. Well, what about stealing? That's a sin. What about, you know, well, that's not a big sin. I mean, is there big sins and little sins? I mean, as far as the blood of Jesus goes, I don't know that there's a, is the hierarchy, right, of that, of sin. Sin is anything that's short, falls short of the, of the glory of God, right? Uh, and so, so the whole point of this, and, and, and look, if you think about this all week and you got a bunch of questions next Wednesday, fine, we'll, we'll answer some questions, right? But in, in this case, the, the point of, of me reading 1 Corinthians 5 is, is to show you that even this person didn't qualify as committing the sin of the death. This is a bad sin, and it wasn't the sin of the death. So, so the only sin that's the sin of the death is when you reject the Lord Jesus, having been qualified and know enough about the Lord Jesus to specifically, I reject the blood of the Lord Jesus. I count it as an unholy thing. The blood of the Lord Jesus and his sacrifice, it's of no value. Okay, that you would fall away, right? That would cause you to fall away if you, were, if you knew enough to make that statement. If, if you just repeat those, those words, doesn't mean anything, right? Unless you really understand what those words mean, doesn't mean anything. So the point is, your salvation is secure, right? That's the whole point. The whole point of all this discussion is, your salvation is secure. If you commit a sin, you know, you're still on your way to heaven. Now, what's the, what's the just real quick, is there any ramifications to sin? Well, sure there is, right? I mean, in this case, what's the ramification of this fellow sin? He would die early right? Will you want to die tomorrow? Physically? So, I mean, sin does open up the door to death, but it could ultimately uh, open the door to spiritual death, right? Uh, now, it's rare because, I mean, this right here, it wasn't an automatic sin to death, right? Paul said, deal with it. I'll deal with it. And then a the man repented, and Paul said, now, you've got to forgive him. That's pretty good, right? Uh, and, walking, and, and so, apparently, he was still in the fellowship of the church. So, uh, could you do that, right? If you knew somebody sleeping with their stepmom and they repented, could you accept them back in the church? Or no, you know, you got to move on. I mean, that's a big ask for some people, right? It wouldn't bother me a bit, you know. You, what, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, well, let's move on, right? Did you repent? Yeah, okay, let's move on. Um, and so, because did God move on? If, if, if Paul told the, fella, the people to forgive him, didn't God forgive him? He wouldn't ask the people to do something God wouldn't do. Surely God would forgive him. <clears throat> and so, so, and in this case, because it was a common open sin, 
you know, common open sins have to be dealt with, you know, uh, in, in that case, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but again, every case is, you know, there's no law. And when it comes to these thing, type of things, there's no law. And people love to especially put the pastor under a law. The only law I have is, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? That is, I always ask the Lord that question. Lord, what do you want me to do about it? Uh, and so, so there is a sin of the death. If that occurs, uh, you can't pray for it. And how do you know? The Lord will tell you, don't pray for it. Now, uh, in, in all of my years, there's only been two people the Lord ever told me to stop praying for. And one of them died. But uh, it, it was more along the lines of, of uh, they just don't want to repent. Now, I believe 100% they went to heaven, uh, but they just didn't want to repent. And Lord, you, you stop praying for them because, you know, uh, uh, it, it's really a 1 Corinthians 5 situation, right, where they're going to die and that person died. Uh, the other person didn't die, but, uh, you know, I don't know that they have any spiritual life in them as far as the power of God operating in their life. You know, I believe they go to heaven. I'm, you know, I've got no problem with them at all. You know, I hope they do make it to heaven. I believe they will, 100%. And so th- th- it makes sense. And we've covered a lot of ground, you know, in, in all of this discussion here. But your salvation is secure, Right. Don't do stupid things. You know, you don't want to check out this life early. That's really the deal here, right? Because all sin can lead to death, right? Uh, it might lead to physical death. Um, and, and actually, if it leads to physical death, that's a mercy of the Lord because you get to go to heaven. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you stay in it long enough, uh, and there was, I was going to tell you a story, but uh, we ran out of time. So if you remind me next week, I'll tell you a story uh, that Brother Hagin told oftentimes that would that would that'd be helpful in this discussion as well. Amen. Unless you want, you want me to tell it now. Uh, uh, so, uh, what's that? It's a good story. Okay, I'll tell it now. I know, I know we're late, but uh, we got another, you got to be anywhere right now? Nobody's going to be anywhere. Uh, so, he, he was, uh, uh, this was in one of the visions that he had with the Lord Jesus. And he, the, the Lord Jesus said, I'm going to talk to you about uh, devils and demons and evil spirits, about how they operate. And so, uh, in this particular story, he was telling about a pastor's wife. Uh, and... Um, uh, and the, the point of this discussion was to show how the devil gets a hold of people because the devil will always get a hold of people if they let him. And so he said this, this uh, he knew this pastor's wife. He, he, knew, he knew her and uh, they were in the same circles that he was in. And he said she was beautiful, right? He said, not just, not just pretty, he said like she walked in a room and, and everybody turned their head kind of beautiful, right? And, and so just amazingly beautiful person and sang like an angel, right? Just amazing voice uh, and just... You know, one of these people that uh, everybody notices when they walk in. And so she was a pastor's wife and was oftentimes would sing at conferences and things and was well used in that area. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so the, the Lord Jesus is telling him the story about this person. Uh, and, and he showed how the devil went to her and whispered her in her ear and said, uh, you're beautiful, uh, but you've been cheated in life. You could have been famous. Uh, you could have had all these accolades. You could have had all this money if you just hadn't been a pastor's wife. And he said, uh, the first time that that happened, uh, this, because this, she'd been in the church for years, right, pastor's wife, uh, she said, get thee behind me, Satan, I rebuke you. Uh, I'm not listening to that mess. Uh, and the devil went away. And he said, but uh, in a short time, uh, the devil came back. He said, uh, you're beautiful, but you've been cheated in life. You could have been famous. You could have had all these, all these positions. You know, people could have known you all over the country. Uh, I'm not listening to that message. Get behind me. But you know, the devil, uh, he kind of knows, right? I mean, he knows people enough to know, you know, sometimes people hesitate, right? They pause. You know, just like, you know, uh, when your wife says, does this dress make me look fat? 
and, and you pause for just a second. And you say no, but it doesn't matter. You paused. You paused. You know, so, you know, you're really thinking no, right? I mean, you're really thinking yes, it makes me look bad, but you know. I know, you, you, uh, and so don't ever hesitate, right? I mean, just, you know, you, you just, the answer is just always no, right? And so that way you don't hesitate. Uh, and so if, if you hesitate, you know, you're stuck because they'll know, right? They, they know. Uh, and well, the devil knows, right? If you, if you hesitate a little bit before you say, get thee behind me, Satan, he's like, okay, there's something there. He may not know what it is, but, you know, he'll try it again. So you've got to be really diligent about those things. You know, you've got to reject all glory. Reject it. I mean, just, just almost uh, mean about it, right? Uh, and, and so, um, so he, again, the devil came to her and said, you've been cheating life. And, and, but this time she paused. He says, you know, I think you're right. And she started meditating on that, about how she was cheated. And he said, it, it went from uh, uh, obsession, right, to, to an oppression. So it was just, the, uh, or oppression first. Oppression first is when the devil comes to you and, and uh, annoys you with something, right? He oppresses you in that. And you just got you to beat him away. Just, no, it is written. I'm not doing that. Uh, but then it becomes an obsession. You start thinking about it over and over again. Yeah, what could I have been if I, if I hadn't been a pastor's wife? You know, pastor, small church, a small town. I mean, I could be, everybody could know me. I mean, look how much stuff I know. He said, because she was used in the gifts of the Spirit, right? Remember Hebrews chapter 6? She knew the Word of God. She was used in the gifts of the Spirit, not just in singing, but in, in tongues, interpretation, tongues, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, those types of things. She was used in supernatural ways. So she, she knew the Word of God. She knew the Holy Spirit. She knew the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and, and he said he, he saw where uh, that uh, is like a little black dot started in her mind but went down to her heart. Uh, and it said that eventually she left her past, she left her husband, started sleeping around with all kinds of people. Uh, and, and, and here's what the Lord Jesus uh, told Brother Hagin. He said, uh, you know, if she'd, if she'd been with a hundred men uh, and repented, he said, I, I'd have taken her back. hundred men, the Lord Jesus told her, a hundred men. Well, see, every vision doesn't matter what's said, you've got to line up with the word of God. Well, is that what the word of God, I mean, that man in 1 Corinthians 5, if he had repented, which he did, did he get to stay in the church? He did. So, I mean, he, he's just like this woman, right? Well, what's the difference between one person that's, you know, sinning like that or a hundred people you're sleeping with? I mean, there's no, that, he didn't say in Hebrews 6 that uh, if you uh, sleep with a certain number of people, that's it. He said if you fall away from Jesus, right? Not fall away from living right, fall away from Jesus. Uh, and so he said, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus continued the story, uh, and said, uh, then, he, then he, uh, he gave him a vision of a pastor, a different pastor, uh, maybe a different minister, that knew where she was at, at a hotel, and went and knocked on the hotel door. And he said, she came to the door in a robe that was un, undone and just, you know, uh, being vulgar, intentionally vulgar to this man. Uh, and he said, I came to, to see if you repent. She said, I'm not repenting. Uh, and I don't want to have anything to do with that Lord Jesus. As far as, I can, as far as I'm concerned, he can go to hell. And that's, she said something to that effect, that Jesus can go to hell. And she slammed the door in his face. And so Brother Hagin talked to the Lord Jesus in a vision. He said, so what's going to happen to, the, to this woman? Uh, he said, she will, she will spend eternity in the region of the damned because she, she ended up being 1 Corinthians 5, 16. I, I do not say you shall pray for that. Amen. And she knew, she met all the qualifications for Hebrews chapter 6, 
right? Saved, filled with the Spirit, spoke with tongues, used of God, knew the Word of God, uh, knew what, what it meant to reject Jesus, and still rejected him because the devil got in there and said, hey, you could have been somebody special. And so she, she, that resentment of not being special, as far as the world measures it, caused her to walk away from Lord Jesus. And that's why you got, always got to make sure you never allow resentment to get in your heart because it will breed and fester and become you know, a big issue, right? Now, it may not turn into that, but it's always an issue when you, when, uh, you allow those things to fester in your life. Uh, and so...